All right. I do got to admit, it's nice having all the ladies back today because last week, I got, the, the men did step it up, and they, they sang pretty good last week, but it's just not the same without having all the ladies in here. It is not the same. We all walk out in the, the foyer afterwards, and it's just a bunch of low grunts, and then out the door, that's about it. <laughs> it is good having the ladies back. So good. Um, we just started a new series last week called Disruptions. And um, in this series, we're, we're looking at... Well, have the kids all been dismissed? Yeah? I don't see any kids, so Heather must have dismissed you already. All right. Yeah, kids, kids zero to fifth grade, they've got some stuff out there for you. And the uh, kids' rock room, the Adventureland room, and you are welcome to go out there and hang out. That would be awesome. But in this series that we're doing called Disruptions, we're, we're looking at how God... Um, is a God that isn't always necessarily interested in helping us have nice routines and just sort of settling into ourselves. He's a God that, that um, will use disruptions to grow us and change us and to, to get us on the right path. And when it comes to disruptions, most of the, most of the time, um, they aren't a good thing, at least in the moment. Disruptions are a change of plans. They're a change of how things normally are. They're a change of order. And even if you're a person who considers yourself flexible, maybe you consider yourself someone to be spontaneous, we like to have our way of doing things. We don't get super excited about disruptions. Maybe it's your phone dying in the middle of your favorite TV show or, or your, your, your spouse's phone ringing during an important conversation. We don't like disruptions. And most of us like certainty. We like order. We like, we like things to stay just the way they are. Now, it comes to my home... I am, in my house, the chief disruptor in my home. And uh, I am always, always disrupting my kids' lives. And uh, it'll be 7 a.m. in the morning, 25 minutes before they're supposed to be heading out the door to go to school. And I'm downstairs, and I don't hear running water. I don't hear footsteps pattering across the floor upstairs. There's no doors opening and closing. It's just silence. And in that moment, I put on my chief disruptor hat, and I marched to a couple doors, and, and see, I've been waking up kids now for 17 years. And uh, 17 years ago, me waking up kids was a lot different than me waking up kids today. 17 years ago, it was me sneaking in the room, maybe like, maybe tickling some feet, or, or, or giving some light kisses on the forehead. Or we would have this thing that I would do called puppy dog kisses where I'd like nuzzle my nose into their ear and like sniff like a puppy dog and, and they'd wake up giggling and all full of delight. Yeah, not like that anymore. Those days are long gone. And I was actually thinking, you know, it might be a good thing if I brought that back because then my teenagers would definitely get up if they knew some puppy dog kisses were coming in the morning. But, but now it's just the loud rapping on the door, hey, get up. Or sometimes, actually, with one of my kids who will go un unnamed, it's not even that. It's just that I just bang on the door until I hear a moop, and then, then we move on. <laughs> and, then, and then there's the times when, when dinner is ready, and uh, we've already hauled, hollered through the house and let, let everybody know that it's dinner time, and, and there's no kids around. And back in the day when my kids used to play uh, a lot of Fortnite, I don't know if you have any Fortnite people in the house, but uh, 
they wouldn't come, so I'd go upstairs because sometimes they don't hear. Actually, a lot of times if they've got their headphones in or whatever, they don't hear. So go upstairs, and there they are in front of the TV, and, and without a doubt, it's like, Dad, there's only like seven or eight more people to take out. Just let me like stick around for a little bit longer. I'm about to win this game. But I'm like, no, get your butt downstairs. It's dinner time. Disruption. But I think what my kids probably love the most is when I disrupt their plans on their days off by giving them a massive list of chores to do. Frolicking around town and sleeping until noon? No, not a chance. You're going to get up early. We're going to clean out some closets. We're going to go around the house, clean the garage, mop the floors, all that stuff. And I just, they just love that kind of disruption. They love it. But chief disruptor, that's what I am. Chief disruptor in my home. And here's the thing, though. There's a reason why I disrupt their lives. And it's, it's not just because I enjoy inflicting misery on them. It's not because in the morning I enjoy just making their lives difficult. At least not all the time. Sometimes there's a little delight in that moment when I rap on the door. But for the most part, I disrupt them because I actually want my kids to thrive in life. There's a reason for it. I want them to be in a position where by the time they leave my house... They have the greatest amount of opportunity possible. Yeah, I could just ignore them all month, all year, and let their grades just slip and slip and slip to Ds and Fs, but I disrupt them not only so they'll pass, but so they'll excel. I want them to experience deep joy and peace. I want them to learn how to take responsibility for their lives and, and learn how to take care of themselves. I want them to know what it's like to be a part of a team that's working together to make a household function and operate. I want them to have physical and mental health. So I will disrupt their screen time and tell them to eat some food because that'll make you healthy. It's good for you. Go outside, whatever. But I disrupt because I want them to experience and to know the best life possible. And there's someone else who wants you to experience and know the best life. Someone who paid a very high price so that you might know life and life to the full. There's somebody who wants you free from addiction. Somebody who wants you know, to know peace that is real, that's deep down inside your soul. The kind of peace that, that, it, that anchors you even in the midst of storms. There's somebody who wants you to know what it's like to be loved with an unconditional love. A love that, that, that doesn't quit loving when you make mistakes. That doesn't stop when you fail. That doesn't abandon you when, when, you, when, when the giver gets tired. There's somebody who wants you to know forgiveness. There's somebody who wants you to be able to walk free from guilt, free from shame, free from condemnation. Somebody who wants you to be able to live your life with purpose, and that somebody is Jesus. And he has no problem causing disruption, even great disruption in your life, if it'll get you to turn from your destructive, soul-killing way of living and turn to him in life and life to the full. In fact, when Jesus shows up with the purpose to disrupt, he'll disrupt in a way that won't be comfortable for you, but it will always be what is best for you. Always. And this morning, in, in our little bit of time that we have left, I want to take some time to look at a man's life that was disrupted on an epic scale. His name is Saul. And not much is known about Saul's early life. Uh, we know that he was born in a city called Tarsus over in the Middle East. That made him a Roman citizen. However, his ancestry was Hebrew. He was an Israelite. And he wasn't just a little bit Hebrew. In his own words, he described himself as a Hebrew 
of Hebrews. This would be like you describing yourself as a Ferndaler of Ferndalers, which I was thinking about what that would mean. Chances are you might have a golden eagle tattoo somewhere on your body. You probably, you probably eat at Cedars at least a couple times a week. Um, you, you have been complaining about the water situation so long, you forget why you're even complaining these days. You just complain. Um, you resent people from Linden. You probably feel a little superior. <laughs> and you might, have, you might even already have your, your burial plot staked out here on Ferndale soil. I think that would make you like a Ferndaler of Ferndalers. Well, Saul is a Hebrew of Hebrews, which means he's, he was raised in the, the city of Jerusalem. He was trained in the Hebrew way by this renowned teacher back in the day named Gamaliel. Saul is, is faultless. He, he would later write in his adherence to the religious laws. In fact, at one point he said, his, um, as far as it came to his knowledge and understanding of Judaism, he was a super smart guy. He wrote, I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. And when you kind of piece together his, his whole story throughout the New Testament part of the Bible, with his early education, his prominence, it's fairly certain that his family probably had some means. They were probably a pretty prominent family and the, the influential ruling elites in Jerusalem. Eventually, after he's trained as this, this young guy, he becomes a part of this religious sect back in the day called the Pharisees. And he is such a respected leader that even as a young man, he's given official authority to oversee the persecution of Christians. And it's important to the story to note here that his persecution of Christians wasn't just some kind of like light and trivial persecution. It wasn't like he was hopping on his Twitter account and just talking smack about Christians. No, he would actually go down in history as the first person to oversee the martyrdom of a Christian. He watched, gave oversight, as a follower of Jesus named Stephen was killed for his faith. God understands something about Saul. He hates Christians. And you can probably piece together why he hates Christians. It's probably because the founder of Christianity was a man who was constantly exposing Saul's homies, the Pharisees, for their hypocrisy, even so far as calling them sons of hell. They tried to kill the founder too. They even nailed him to a cross, laid his dead body in a tomb, but little did they realize that death had no hold on him. Three days later, he busted out of the grave, conquered death once and for all in the process. But for a man in, in his day, Saul, he, he has it all. He has it all. He has the best of both worlds in that he's He's Hebrew, and, that, and he's Roman. He's a leader. He's well-off. He's respected. He's influential. He's probably got some, some, some local fame. He, he does what he wants, when he wants. If he were alive today, he might be what we would picture, maybe like a college-educated, well-paid, well-known, high-achieving, successful member of, of society. And does Jesus ever disrupt his life? Saul has zero idea about what he has coming. The Bible says, Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest and he requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus. This is a, a community that was a couple days traveling distance from Jerusalem. And he asked for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way he found there. 
he, would, he wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. Like I said, Saul did not like Christians. And the Bible goes on to say that as he was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. A light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. And today, we, we got to celebrate that moment where Carol and Shane saw the light. The light from heaven shone down around them. And I don't know if you remember that day where the, the light of Jesus came bursting through and disrupted the darkness in your life. Maybe you were in a hotel room after a weekend of binging with your buddies and you, you woke up hungover, depressed, hopeless, and God broke through the darkness and said, there's got to be more to life than this. Maybe you were just weary from the addiction, weary of the pain, weary of going from one broken relationship to another. And when you, you walk through the doors of a Jesus-loving friend or family member's house, and they just showered you with unconditional love and grace and acceptance, in that moment, light disrupted the darkness in your life. Or maybe you were sitting in a church one Sunday, listening to songs that you've never heard sung before, watching as people had water poured on them, listening to some guy preach, and deep in your soul, you hear a voice saying, this is the way, this is the truth, this is the life, this is what you've been looking for, and you might not fully understand what's going on inside of you, but let me explain it to you as simply as I can. Light is disrupting the darkness. The light of Jesus is shining down in this moment. And here's Paul. Paul is on the road. He's just doing a little bit of business travel. He's getting revenge on that man named Je Jesus who he thinks is still dead. But to his utter shock and dismay, not only is he not dead, he is talking to him as he's traveling on the road. The Bible goes on to say that as, as light is shining down on Saul, he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And naturally he asked, who are you, Lord? And the voice replied, I am Jesus. I can't wait to hear from Paul one day what that moment was like when the voice said, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men with Saul stood speechless, for they heard the sound of someone's voice, but saw no one. Saul picked himself up off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him by the hand to Damascus, and he remained there blind for three days and did not eat or drink. Aren't disruptions just so good? <laughs> you know, one minute you're a highly successful young man whose career path is just all marked out for you and the next minute you are blind as a bat being led by the hand and told by God that he knows you've been killing his followers and he's about to set you up with a new plan in life. That's Saul. And something that I've learned about, about God over the years is that the more radical the change that he wants to do in your life, the more radical the disruption that he will bring. And God is about to take Saul from being a man on a mission to, to destroy Christianity in the name of Jesus. He's about to take him from that life to being uh, the, 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 uh, the man 
on a mission to advance Christianity and to ensure that the name of Jesus is put on display for all the centuries to come. Massive change. Massive change required massive disruption. And if your life is in the middle of massive disruption right now, it might just be because God is bringing massive change to your life. Now, if you don't know Jesus, this is actually a very uncomfortable, nerve-wracking, and even fearful place to be in because you just don't know what's going on. But when you know him, you know that when Jesus shows up, with the purpose to disrupt. He'll disrupt in a way that won't be comfortable for you, but it will always, always, always be what's best for you. And Saul, he eventually gets to the city of Damascus where this guy named Ananias is waiting for him, and through a, a set of supernatural events, um, Ananias is prepared for Saul. You can imagine there's a guy that's well known for being about killing Christians, that anybody who's a Christian, when they see Saul coming, is running to, to hiding. But Ananias has been set up. God has let him know, hey, Saul's coming. Don't be afraid of him. I'm doing the work in his life. So Saul gets there, goes to Ananias' house. Ananias prays for Saul. He receives his sight back. He's filled with the Holy Spirit. He gets baptized, the Bible says. And then just three days later, the Bible says this. Think about this. This is the guy that was just hell-bent on killing Christians, hell-bent on destroying the name of Jesus. The Bible says just three days later after that Damascus Road experience, he immediately began preaching about Jesus in the synagogue, saying, I love this, all he says is, he is indeed the Son of God. He's indeed the Son of God. Think about how powerful that was for people to hear that coming out of Saul's mouth. He didn't have to say anything else. All he had to say is this Jesus guy, he indeed is the Son of God. And the Bible says that all who heard him were amazed. The disruption and resulting change in Saul's life was so significant that he would even go on to change his name to a name that probably maybe more of you are more familiar with. He would change his name from Saul to Paul. And he would go on to become arguably the most, the, the first for sure, but arguably the, the, the most influential missionary in the history of the church. Many would come to faith in Jesus through the, his ministry. Many churches were started because of the ministry of Saul. And just as significant as all the things he accomplished for the sake of Jesus were, was the person that Saul would become because of Jesus. Saul would come to know the joy and the grace and the peace and the all-satisfying goodness of Jesus in such a way that the things of this world would just pale in comparison to what he'd found in Christ. All the things that meant so much to, to Saul prior to knowing Jesus, pedigree, social status, affluence, education, stuff, fame, title, success, all that that meant so much to Saul at one time. Listen to how Saul talked about them compared to Jesus. He said, I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. And maybe you were in that boat. At one time, you had stuff in your life that you just, it was so valuable to you. Maybe it was your, your friend's approval or your family's approval. Maybe it was your, 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 your new car or your house. Maybe it was that career. And it was, your life was consumed with that career, just becoming the best at your job. And you just poured in all your time and all your energy into that because it was, 
everything to you. Paul says, I consider them worthless now because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. Such a powerful testimony. Where is God bringing disruption to your life today? Where is God bringing disruption to your life today? I have no doubt that there are some of you in this room and some of you watching online right now, you're experiencing disruption in your soul the last hour. You're, you're hearing a gentle whisper saying, follow me, trust me, put your faith in me. That's Jesus and something inside of you just knows it but you hesitate because you don't know what's saying yes. You don't know what's saying yes, like we saw with Carol and Shane. You don't, you don't know what that means. You don't know what he's gonna do with your life. You don't know if he's gonna maybe do what he did with Saul and just like massive change. And you have no idea if you can even trust him. And so you hesitate, you're uncertain, and you need to, to know something though when Jesus shows up with the purpose to disrupt it might not feel comfortable. In fact, it rarely ever does, but it is always what's best for you. Maybe for somebody else, God is, is expanding you in some way, and it's, a, it's this step in your career. Maybe it's a change in careers. Maybe it's jumping into helping out in your church or helping out in a, some other, some nonprofit in town, and just gonna, it's going to expand you. It's going to stretch you, and it's going to grow you, and, and it's, it's disruptive, and it's scary, and you just want to keep the same plans that you've always had. You just want to keep spending your time the way that you've always spent your time. And, and it's disruptive, this, this, this next step, whatever that looks like. But Jesus, when he shows up to disrupt, it won't be comfortable, but you got to know it will always be what's best for you. And when God disruptions happen in our lives, the question that, that he will keep bringing us back to over and over and over and over and over again is a very simple question. Do you trust me? Do you trust me? If you're here in the room today, watching online, and God is inviting you to follow him, to put your faith and trust in him, but you're scared, I remember what it was like. I remember very clearly what it was like when Jesus was first inviting me to surrender to him and follow him. I was freaked out. I had no idea what that meant. In fact, something inside of me just knew that it was going to cause major disruption. Something inside of me knew that it would mean surrendering the, my way of doing my life and surrendering to his, whatever that looked like. And I was scared. I hesitated. Not just in the moment. I hesitated for weeks, months, Years before I said, Jesus, I'll, yeah, I, I will follow you. I, I trust you. I trust you. He'll keep bringing you back to that question. Do you trust me? Someone is having a, a, their life disrupted in some other way, and Jesus is keep, he's bringing you back to that question. Do you trust me? And isn't that just what this whole Christianity thing is all about at the end of the day? It's what you could boil the whole thing down to. Jesus saying, do you trust me? That's faith. Faith is saying, yes, I trust you. I can't see you, but I, I have faith to believe that you are who you say that you are. I trust you. 
I put my faith in you. I don't know what the future is going to look like, but I trust you. God, this disruption that I have in my life, I don't even know if it's from you or if it's just the world or if it's just, just life. I don't know, but Jesus, I trust you. I trust you. It's the question that, that is at the heart of being a follower of Jesus. Do you trust him enough to be like Saul? You know, to be like Carol and Shane. I just love these stories today of him saying, yeah, I, I trust him. I trust him. And, and then in that place of trust, just to say, say yes to him. And the beauty about being a follower of Jesus is that when you, when you trust him enough to say yes, he moves in in such a glorious, beautiful way. There's, there's, nothing, there's nothing worse than just fighting God. When he's, when he's inviting you to take that step of faith and trust, when you fight him, it's just uncomfortable. It's tension. It's just restless. You just can't get away from his voice because he's there. He's, he, he loves you too much to abandon you and to leave you alone. And so he keeps pursuing you. And in that fight, that disruption, it's uncomfortable. But there is nothing more beautiful and glorious than when you surrender to Jesus and you just say, yes. Yes, Jesus. I'll follow you. And I mean, you, you've, you've gotten to hear this morning just how glorious and how beautiful it is to follow Jesus. He really is life. He's the life you've been searching for. He's, the, he's the, the, the satisfaction that you're trying to find in everything else in life. He, he is the, the only one that truly satisfies. It's why Jesus said, he said, I am the, the, the living water. Whoever believes in me, out of them will flow rivers of living water that just satisfy. He satisfies. When we say yes to him, we put our faith and trust in him. Would you pray with me as we wrap up this morning? Jesus, this has just been so good today. Lord, I thank you so much for, for, for your goodness, for your faithfulness. I thank you, Jesus, for the way that, God, you love us too much to let us stay in a place that's just comfortable but destructive. God, you love us too much to allow us to just stay in a place where we're wallowing in our sin that brings brokenness and bondage and captivity. You love us too much to just let us stay there. So God, you come along and, and you disrupt. You disrupt. Lord, if we look at the, the time, God, where you walk this earth, Lord, we just see one occasion after another occasion where Lord, you would come along and you would disrupt. God, you approach Matthew as he's there at his tax collector booth, that he's been, he's just making this great living. He's got everything he, he could want. He's got wealth. He's got all the money he could ever want. And you come along and you disrupt. You invite him to change and to follow you. God, you go up to Peter and, and James and, and Andrew and John on the beach as they're going about their thing, and you disrupt. You say, come. Leave that behind. Follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. God, you disrupt. God, you go to, 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 to Mary who's just full of oppression and bondage and you come and disrupt and you set her free. And God, I have no doubt that Jesus, even right now, God, as there's men and women, God, listening to you, God, my voice, God, you are speaking. God, you are disrupting hearts and souls, God, in this moment. Father, I pray, Jesus, that, Lord, God, we'd have the faith and the trust to say yes 
yes to you, to not fight you, to not resist you, but God, to say yes to whatever it is that you're doing. God, to be like Mary. God, when you came along and said, hey, everything that you've got planned for the next nine months is gonna be so different. In fact, the rest of your life is gonna be different. You're gonna be pregnant with the Son of God. God, she, she fought you, but it was only for a moment before she said, yes, I am the Lord's servant. She submitted. And God, I pray that today, God, we would submit to the work that you're doing in our lives. God, I pray, Lord, that God, in the middle of the disruption, God, maybe it's disruption that's happening in souls right now. God, maybe, God, there's someone who's listening today, God, whose life is just filled with, with disruption. And God, I pray, Lord, that in that place, Jesus, they would, God, just be able to stay in a place, God, of ch simple, childlike faith and trust in you and whatever the work is that you're doing in their lives. God, help us to, to keep our eyes fixed on you, God, in this place. And just as your heads are bowed, eyes closed, I want to give you a moment. I, the Holy Spirit is here this morning. He's here. Jesus is not dead. Jesus is alive. Easter is just not another nice holiday that we have on the calendar. No, it's there to celebrate that Jesus is alive. And he is here in this room you watching online, he's wherever you're at, and he is speaking to you. And, and I wonder this morning, I'm going to ask you in a second, if God is speaking to you and there's some disruption going on in your soul right now, if God is speaking to you, inviting you to put your faith and trust in him, maybe it's the first time that you've ever done that in your life, maybe you've been following him for 30, 40 years, but there's disruption happening and God is inviting you to a new level of faith and trust, I'm going to invite you in just a second to raise your hand. And, and, and the only reason for that is because I want to give you something tangible, a way to tangibly respond to the work the Holy Spirit is doing in your life right now. And then I just simply want to pray for you. If God is inviting you this morning to a, just another level of faith and trust in Him, just raise your hand up nice and high. I just love to pray with you. Lots of hands up this morning. Lots of hands. You can go ahead and put your hands down. God, I want to lift up everybody this morning, God, who put their hands up. God, would you just come in, God, right now in this moment. I pray, God, that they would just be so confident that your Holy Spirit is with them, that your Holy Spirit is for them, that your Holy Spirit is their strength, is their source, is their portion, is their life. God, may they just have the strength and the faith and the trust to just, to just rest in your arms this morning to just God just like fall back in your arms in simple childlike faith and trust and God I don't know what the rest of this day is going to look for them week month year I, I don't know but you do and Father I just want to pray that you would you would help them God walk alongside of them and God the work that you're doing God through this disruption God I just pray Lord that it would be a glorious God just beautiful thing beautiful thing just as your heads are about eyes closed I just I don't have this happen very often but um, just this last week we had some we've got a couple of shrubs in front of our house that are just dead <laughs> everything else is turning green but these two shrubs are just dead and this last week, 
got my truck, got some rope. I don't know if this is the right way to do it, but just tied those suckers up to my truck, <laughs> yanked them out. Yesterday, Becky and I went to the nursery, and we got a whole bunch of new shrubs that we're going to plant. And they're going to be glorious, and they're going to be beautiful. And Jesus wants somebody here to know that today. That the disruption that is happening in your life, God is God's about to plant something. He is planting something. And the disruption is your life is being broken apart. God wants you to know that He is gonna He is planting something glorious and something beautiful that's gonna grow out of that disrupted ground and it's gonna produce some beautiful fruit in your life. He's going to he's doing something good and glorious that's better than anything you could possibly imagine. So Father, I just want to pray, Lord, for all of us today that God, we would just let your spirit do the work that you're doing in us. Be our help, I pray. God, I just want to thank you so much for our time together today. God, it's just been so good. God, thank you for everything you did this last weekend and all the ladies. And we just pray, God, that that work would just continue to grow and to flourish in each one of their hearts and lives. God, we thank you for the work that you're doing in Shane and Carol. God, let that continue to just grow and flourish. And God, Lord, just as we wrap up, God, we just want to declare that, God, everything is from you, it's through you, and it is all to you. It's, God, for your glory. It's for you, the glory of your great name. We love you so much, Jesus. We pray all these things in your name. And everybody said, amen, 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 amen. Awesome. Hey, I'm going to invite you to stand as we wrap things up today. And uh, we're going to go out of here with a song that just describes everything that God has done in our lives and has done this morning. And uh, if you need someone to pray with you, um, we don't have an official prayer team, but I'll be hanging around. And um, you can, I mean, just about anybody here would be more than happy to pray with you. But as we sing this last song, we're also going to give you, if this is your home church and uh, you regularly give here, we're going to give you an opportunity to give back to God, tithes and offering. So a buck is going to down your row. If you're a guest, just let it pass you by. There's no obligation whatsoever to give. Let's go out with some song. Just celebration this morning. God bless.